At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. And although I am only a little child, I do not know how to get out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your steward, servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil, for who can govern this great people of yours? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I do now according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has been before you, and no one like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, all your life. No other king shall compare with you. If you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father walked, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your life. Then Solomon awoke. It had been a dream. He came to Jerusalem where he stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. He offered up burnt offerings and offerings of well-being and provided a feast for all his servants. Will you pray with me? Oh God, help us to hear you and to know your voice this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I have a beard now. <laughs> I'm very happy about it. I got this beard on my vacation. I try to take a vacation to the ocean every year, and I made it again this year. Uh, for me, oceans are a happy, a healing place, and I mostly just spend all my time right out by the water, just going in and out. Uh, it was wonderful. Uh, but it's also wonderful to be with you here today. For the last four years, Matt and I went to a particular place uh, to see the ocean. We went to Buxton, North Carolina. And like many towns in the Outer Banks, it's a small touristy place with lots of people fishing, yummy seafood restaurants. And every morning we would load up our car, 
we'd head maybe a half mile down the road uh, with our beach tent and our towels and chairs and a cooler, and we would just set out for the water. We found this perfect little spot with the view of the Hatteras Island lighthouse in the distance. We'd make camp and just enjoy. And I discovered that one of the things I really love to do at the beach is pick up seashells. At one point during the week, I discovered just a treasure trove of seashells. And every day I would walk out to that treasure trove of new shelves that had made their way from the water up to the beach. And I became a little selfish about this particular part of the beach. I found myself wanting to covet that spot, not wanting other people to find it. We do a lot of that in our lives, don't we? We've got our spot, our stuff, and it's sometimes hard to think about sharing with others. But then came a little girl and her parents walking toward us from down the beach. And this little girl was adorable, you know, uh, maybe two or three years old with that skipping, happy nature that children so easily possess. And of course, what happens? She finds my seashells. Now, bear in mind, there are probably thousands, millions of seashells around us up and down this beach, but I had my spot, and I was a little irked that this adorable little girl would come and take all of my hard-won seashells, which frankly, I didn't deserve any of these seashells. They didn't belong to me. But it's interesting how we make things into me and mine so easily. And then a wonderful thing happened. This little girl, uh, she discovers these seashells, and she bends over and she picks up just one. And she happily runs over to her mother, and she, with a big beaming smile, she hands it up to her mom. And then she turns around and she runs back, and she grabs one more seashell, and she runs to her dad, and big smile, you know, here you go, Dad. And then she runs back, and she picks up another seashell, and she looks at it, and she kind of looks around, and then she sees me. And she runs up to me, and she hands me this seashell. And then she was just up and on her way. So often we make life about me, about my needs. In our reading from the book of Kings this morning, God tells Solomon that whatever he desires, he will receive. And Solomon could have had anything at all, the latest model chariot to ride around in, riches, a horde of seashells that belonged only to him. And instead, Solomon says, God, give me a discerning heart. Help me to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. How can I govern without those things, he wonders. And God blesses Solomon for this because Solomon is thinking not about me, not about Solomon's needs, but he's thinking about we, about the needs of others. And there's a lot of joy in that, right? In our ability to think about others, to place others first, and letting others have joy in their lives too. The look on that child's face, the way she took only what she needed, the way she shared with others the joy that those few seashells 
brought her. She wasn't coveting. She wasn't looking to hoard all the shells. She just wanted a little for herself. And she gave the rest away, even to a stranger like me who she had never seen before. Wow. The kids are all right. In our own lives, God calls us to expand from the me to the we. And these days, we need a little more we in our minds and hearts. And we find this tendency to focus on ourselves and our society at large, right? We see it in the relationships we have with our family members even, in institutions of all kinds. Maybe we see it here at Colonial as well. It certainly exists in our inability as a nation to deal with racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, and prejudice with open and vulnerable hearts. Now, I'm not suggesting that a we attitude fixes every conflict, ends every war, or settles every debate. It's not that simple. It does, however, change the way we approach each other amid those conflicts, wars, and debates. It opens our minds, our hearts, and our wills to, dis to consider more than just ourselves. It offers new possibilities and creates options. It brings about an awareness of and concern for all, including ourselves. And isn't that what Solomon asked for? He, he sought an understanding mind to govern and care for God's people. He wanted the ability to discern between good and evil. He recognized that a me attitude could not sustain his kingdom. And he calls himself a little child. His concern was not for himself, not for his own little hoard of seashells, but for his people, for his community, for his family. So what does that shift look like? What does a we life look like? Father Mike Marsh, who is an Episcopal priest at a church in Uvalde, Texas, where these issues of me and we were on display a little over a year ago when 21 people, many of them children, died at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde. Father Mike makes these suggestions. He says, a me life is one of power, domination, and control. But a we life is one of vulnerability, intimacy, and self-giving. A me life is characterized by rhetoric, frenzied reaction, and isolation, but a we life is characterized by silence, stillness, and presence. It's a life that lets God inside. A me life is filled with doubt, cynicism, and fear, but a we life is filled with faith, hope, and love. A me life clings tightly to the past. A we life embodies what might be. A me life draws lines that divide. A we life draws circles that include all people, all colors, all orientations, all abilities. 
Father Mike goes on to say that so many of today's world circumstances and even our own life circumstances continue to remind us that a me attitude just doesn't work. So why do we continue living that way? Division is everywhere, all around us, on both sides of the aisle, in our own communities, and within our own hearts. Today's me approach continues to crucify the we life that Jesus lived and offered. Yet even our decision to make life about me cannot separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus' love is what enables, encourages, and teaches us to choose we over me. Our lives and our world need a new reality and new possibilities. God has entrusted each of us with Solomon's dream, his desire to care not for himself alone, but for those he has been entrusted to watch over and care about. And it is time for us to wake up and live the dream of a better tomorrow for ourselves and for every single person in this world. So will you choose me or we? My friends, let it be we. Let it be for us together, not just for our own selves to improve our own lives, but for all those little children just skipping along, running around on the beach, seeing a world of possibility before them. Let it be for all those children just hoping to find a seashell of their very own. May it be so. Amen.